Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Here we are, March 2021. Hey, it's almost your birthday. Yeah. You're going to be 11? No. I was 11 last year. Oh, so... Hey, look, it's been a hard year. (laughs) I was talking to my youngest daughter the other day about virtual school. I really wanted to know whether or not she was liking it. Yeah, the thing I like most about it is that we get off of classes early. (laughs) Do you feel like you learn as much? No. Like if uh, 10 is the best learning in person, what is virtual? Like what on a scale of 1 to 10? Like a 3. Is that much of a difference? Yeah. It's been an ongoing topic of conversation in our household throughout this pandemic. My daughters loved their school, and they were eager to return as soon as it was safe. Actually, they were begging to go back to school, even before I thought it was safe to do so. I know I wasn't the only one having these tough conversations with my family, worried about balancing COVID safety precautions with concerns about my kids' education and their mental health. Last month, the CDC released new guidelines to help schools stay safe as they reopened. And now educators across the country are beginning the very tricky work of putting that guidance into action. So today, I'm going to take a look at how schools are handling these challenges in my own hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. The weight of the world sits upon your shoulders. You literally feel that weight in every decision. Lisa Herring is the superintendent of the Atlanta Public Schools, home to more than 50,000 students. Decisions tied to health risks feel very much out of our wheelhouse. It felt scary. Back in January, just as the United States hit its third and highest peak of the pandemic, President Joe Biden said it was a priority to get America's school kids back in the classroom. Our strategy includes a plan to safely reopen schools and businesses while protecting our workers. Days later, on January 25th, Superintendent Herring reopened Atlanta's public schools, starting with the city's youngest students. So I was out of the building in the classrooms very early in the morning, just like the staff. Uh, I thought that was important. I wanted to be there to greet students safely and to see them. And even before that, I was out in school buildings talking with teachers. Uh, By design, before that first day hit, I needed to hear from teachers. And if I have to be fully honest, they were extraordinarily afraid. But perhaps I can influence or at least acknowledge as a leader. I thought that that was important. I can tell just by talking to you that you're the kind of person who probably sat down and talked to people on an individual level who who had these concerns. I'm a doctor, you know, again, people love certainty. It's hard to provide certainty. So what would you say to a teacher or staff member who is wanting to do the right thing in terms of taking care of his or her students, but worried about their own health? 
Yes, and so I just had to candidly honor what I heard and what we'd done and what we would do. And so I acknowledged that I knew that their fear was real. We did have telework opportunities, so we still do. So obviously in the space where they were high risk, they were not expected to return. So that, that still maintained. It still is in place. But in the, in the space of just simple fear, we have to acknowledge that in our humanness. So I did. But I also had to, as superintendent, provide a reminder of the things that we put in place, the practices that we were going to adhere to, and if for any reason there was some omission of that, that we needed them to let us know, to let the principal know, so that we could address that immediately. And so we are not going to open doors until we honestly believe we're ready. And so that's what happened. We believed that we were ready, and we opened the doors. There was this huge surge post-holidays that we were still in the midst of. So how did you arrive at the, these decisions? So several factors. As we continued to engage with our health advisory task force, uh, we, were, we became more and more aware of the high level of focus around mitigation for safety and health risk in a place where we've not had a chance to physically do it because we had not moved away from the virtual um, engagement. Uh, at the same time, we had also started to entertain our opportunity to do surveillance testing as another layer of mitigation, and a highly effective one, I might add, as we continue to execute that even now. The other data that was uh, uh, important for us was also our ability to anticipate what the numbers would look like for students and families electing to return. We recognize where the community spread data has gone, but we also hear from the CDC the ability to effectively mitigate knowing what we have to have in place. And then we look at what we can anticipate for enrollment inside of our buildings because we have a sense of who's coming and who is not. Superintendent Herring showed me what that means at David T. Howard Middle School, including stickers on the floor of the hallways marking six feet of social distance. We start by looking down um, because it allows for us to have a sense of social distancing. And you catch the arrows on the wall, so very intentional about which direction you should be. So we technically uh, should be, as we're walking, one way, that's right, we should be going in the same direction. The CDC's guidance for schools to reopen safely considers community spread and relies on five familiar-sounding strategies. Masking, physical distancing, washing hands, cleaning facilities, and improving ventilation, as well as contact tracing, isolation, and quarantine. All of the doors are open, right? So we're thinking, we're very intentional about the ventilation. School today is about temperature scans, plexiglass, and moving the cafeteria outside, all done to lower risk. The few studies looking at in-school transmission have found few coronavirus cases when those types of mitigation measures are in place. There was one study of 11 North Carolina school districts finding just 32 cases of in-school transmission among nearly 100,000 students and staff. Not one of those cases involved a child infecting an adult. Another study looking at more than 200,000 people in the New York City public schools between October and December found just 0.4% of tests were positive then. Another study of 17 schools in Wisconsin found that schools actually had lower rates of disease than the surrounding community. Of the 191 positive cases they counted in the schools, only seven were traced to in-school transmission. But it's still scary. And back at David T. Howard Middle School, Sixth-grade social studies teacher Patrick Doherty initially had his doubts. Uh, I thought we were giving them an education that was quality enough online to where, yeah, we should have 
stayed virtual for as long as we did. And then now I feel very safe because there's only eight of them, nine usually in there. And there's not a lot of crowding. They get it. They walk in, they hand sanitize, they keep their masks on. So I feel safe and I'm getting vaccinated tomorrow, first dose. Doherty is fortunate to be getting his vaccine, but not every teacher has that option yet. So I asked Superintendent Herring, should teachers be able to get the vaccine before coming back to school? (laughs) Well, my teachers are back at school. We're getting vaccinated this month. If we would have had access and could have done that beforehand, that would have been extraordinarily perfect. But so, so in a perfect scenario, absolutely, Dr. Gupta, absolutely. This just simply was not the perfect scenario. Since weekly testing of staff and students began in February, the district has found just 32 cases so far. Every day in my inbox, I get from Viral Solutions um, the results back from the individuals that have tested. I know that same day exactly how many positive cases have been identified. And our school and our staff can immediately mitigate and act towards how to quarantine, contact trace, information that we would not have had, whether they were symptomatic or asymptomatic. It has been a psychological game changer for those who are participating in it, for our school leaders and for our school community and the culture. It is also, just in the simplest of terms, an opportunity for us to catch what could be a spreader immediately and to then um, plan accordingly for that. And no, it hasn't been a requirement, but I believe that it was necessary for us to add this additional layer. In your opinion, can school districts open if they don't have that level of surveillance testing? So it's my opinion, and there are school districts that are open who don't have that, so then the answer is yes, because that exists. Does it give another layer of protection? It absolutely does. More than a third of the district's 52,000 students have now returned, and many are glad to be back. I had the pleasure of speaking with some of the sixth graders about how this last year has been for them. If, if in-person learning is sort of the best kind of learning, that's a 10 out of 10, what is, what is virtual learning like? How good is virtual learning compared to in-person learning, do you think? I still feel like virtual learning is good. I just feel like it's hard to distract because you either have your phone with you and nobody's, like, supervising you. So it's kind of hard to, like, stay focused on your meeting. And, and how about, just by show of hands, do, does everyone feel safe being back in school? I haven't been in person for, like, a year, so I haven't socialized with anyone at all. But it was better than I thought it was going to be. And I was able to actually talk to people more and stuff, and it was really nice. Once we got here, it was better because everything just seemed pretty normal, and it was a lot easier to focus here than it was at home during doing virtual school. So, um, yeah, I was nervous at first, but it got better. As schools across the country reopen, A lot of folks, like Atlanta Superintendent Herring, are trying to figure out ways to balance students' educational needs with teachers' health and safety and addressing fears through mitigation strategies. Again, masking, physical distancing, washing hands, cleaning, ventilation, contact tracing. You've heard these terms so many times over the past year. They have been important, and they will remain important. These are the tools that can help get us back to normal. More than ever now, we've seen evidence that they work. If you have questions, please record them as a voice memo 
and email them to asksanjay at cnn.com. We might even include them on the next podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.